Welcome to the Gold Rush 2011 podcast. Gold Rush is an annual student-led conference hosted by Perimeter Church. This year's theme was Consumed, where we talked about what we are consumed with and who ultimately consumes us. Thank you for downloading, and we hope you enjoy. Um, okay, so hey guys, I'm Jamie uh, Carlson. I just graduated from Norcross High School. Um, oh, thanks. And I will be attending Presbyterian College next year. None of y'all, all of them came yesterday. Um, <laughs> I'm playing lacrosse there, so I am a lax player. Yes. And um, I'm going to be talking to y'all about turning back to the future um, and forgetting about your past. Sorry. Okay. Um, I'm going to start out with my testimony. Um, And um, so my family was a Christian family. Um, They... We are we. I'm part of it as well. We went to church um, Easter, Christmas, twice a month. We were members um, of a church, and then we switched churches, and then, yeah, it was kind of crazy. But um, so I had my parents, mom and dad, and then I had two older twin brothers, have two older twin brothers. And... um, they have all impacted my life in some way, not just by being there. Um, first thing, when I was um, 6, 12, and 15, um, I was abused in some way, in some sexual way. Um, different people, different stories. Um, But that sent me into some really dark times, especially when I was 12. Um, And then also during this time, when I was 8, 12, 13, 14, um, my mom was put into alcohol rehab um, for alcoholism. And in all of this junk in my life... I had nowhere to turn. I had friends, like, at school. You know, you go, like, you're sitting in class. You're like, hey, can I borrow a pencil? And then your best friends for, like, a day. I had, like, eight of those, like, every day. So I uh, had no one. My brothers were with themselves. They're twins. So, of course, they always had their best friend with them. And then when I was in middle school, um, when the abuse happened and when my mom was going through everything, my brothers were partying. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, I'm alone, completely alone in every way. And this sent me into the darkest time in my life at age 12. Um... I was sent into a deep hole of depression. I felt no self-worth whatsoever. I was like, I don't matter to this world, apparently. If I'm put through all of this crap, why am I here? And so all of that led to cutting. I 
needed some way to just like release my emotions. And, and honestly, like I didn't cry pretty much throughout this. I think I cried twice. Um, and that's kind of still stuck with me. I still don't cry that much, but, uh, it just, I was alone. Yesterday I kept repeating, I was alone, I was alone, I was alone, I was alone. I remember sitting in my room in seventh grade. And I had like my dresser and then I had a box on the ground with my black and white laptop that my uncle gave me. Typing sad poems, because that's what you do when you're depressed, I think. That's what, I don't know. Read it on the internet. And so I was just sitting there writing sad poems and uh, just felt empty. Didn't know what to do, where to turn. Then, uh, oh, let me just reiterate one thing. My mom, who was in rehab, she was in rehab for the last time my freshman year, October of my freshman year. And she has been sober ever since. It's going on four years in October, which is really exciting. And I'm really excited for her. Yeah. So um, she, she wanted to make sure I said that. She was like, well, you have to tell them. And I was like, okay, Mom, I got you. Don't worry. Got your back. So um, after freshman year, um, I went to a camp that I go to all the time. Uh, this is the first year, actually, since I was seven that I won't be going to this camp. And uh, it's up, it's about 30 to 45 minutes outside of Chattanooga. It's uh, up, if y'all have ever been rafting on the Ocoee, it's right off the Ocoee River, that big lake, it's called Camp Ocoee. And uh, I met an amazing girl there. Um, She showed me love that I'd never seen before. And I was like, you can't... (laughs) You love me? Like, you care about me? Like, you want to hang out with me? Like, no. So she just showed me this love. And then one day she was like, hey, why don't you come back to Chattanooga with me? And we'll go to church. And I was like, church? No, I got kicked out of that in seventh grade. I'm not going back. Or, no, I'm not going back because last time I went to a church, I think one person came and sat next to me and said, hey, I'm Rachel. And I was like, no, there's no way. She's like, no, you're coming to church. So I was stuck. So I went, and I was like, okay, I'll give this a chance. Maybe there's, there, maybe there's more to this than I'm giving to it. So I went to church, um, came back home to Atlanta, and my friend from school was like, hey, you want to you wanna go to church? I heard you went up in Chattanooga. And I was like, no. If it's, no, no, I'm not. She's like, come on. She's like, okay, well, I'm signing up for a D group anyway, so you're going. Okay, Allison, thanks for doing that. I was, I was actually really angry. I was like, there's no way I'm going to spend Sunday nights here at church when I could be at home sleeping, eating, not doing homework, because no. But I uh, decided to go, and that D group, like small group like we have here, um, we have it running throughout the year. 
that, those girls in that D group are now my best friends. They um, are there for me through everything. And um, Christ just showed me that there's more to this world than all of that dark stuff that I had to go through. There's more. And like this light that I was being shown by coming to church and meeting these girls and just having friendships with them. It's not even that we prayed together all the time or that we all we did was read the Bible. No, like we went to Target and like played, we bowled with the toilet paper rolls. Like that's what we did. Like we just had fun. And I had never had that before. And like I was able to see the light. But I was still dwelling on my past. Still thinking like, what the heck? Like this is awesome, but I still got this baggage. Y'all still don't want to be friends with me. Not, not really. Because I got this, this stuff and it's gross. And you, no, I don't want to put you through that because I've already been through it. And so, but they were like, Jamie, no, we love you. We love you no matter what. And I was just able to see God through this. And um, last, last year, um, if y'all came to Gold Rush, um, Alexis Patton talked about a characteristic of God that stood out to her. And for her, it was faithfulness, that God was always faithful through everything. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to deny that. But for me, it was love. I was just shown love in such amazing ways that I was able to be like, okay, so God, you do care. You sent these people in my life, so you do care. And this made me learn who I am as a person here on earth and who I am in Christ. And we're going to watch a video um, describing this. Yeah, <laughs> Lion King. <laughs> oh, such a classic. I love it. Um, very cliche clip, though. And I, I love cliches because they're easy to get and I don't like to think a lot. So, um, but that video is so in your face that you're like, that has to be true. Like, we have to remember, like, that Christ is inside of us. And he's there through it all. All the junk, all the awesomeness, that's a word, like, he's there. And there's no getting around it. Even if you don't think he is, he's there. And Rafiki, um, which means friend in Swahili, if y'all didn't know that, which I thought was really cool. Um, he uh, comes up and he explains that change and things in our lives are going to happen. There's no getting around situations in our lives. There's no controlling them. 
there's no changing them. And they're going to happen. But there's a way to get around it. Not around it, but through it. Sorry. And it's going to hurt. A lot of things are going to hurt. Like, that would hurt to get hit on the head like that. Not going to lie. Um, but we just got to face it head on. We can't keep running from this junk. Like, okay. Does anyone run in here? Anyone run? Okay. Who doesn't run? Who hates running? Yeah. Those are my people. I play lacrosse. That's a running game. I play goalie for a reason. <laughs> I stand there. Because if I ran to that door, not even back, just to that door, I'd be out of breath. Huffing and puffing does not, no. And that's what happens in our lives, guys. Like if we keep running and running and running and running from our past, we're going to get tired. We're going to fall. And we're going to get worn out and not want to do anything else except for sleep or just sit there. But if we stop, take a breath, and turn to Christ, like, we can learn who we are in him and learn that those things in our past don't matter. They're there so we can advance his kingdom. But we don't need to dwell on them. It's not not what they're there for. There's a story in the Bible, in Genesis, of a dude named Joseph. Y'all probably all know who Joseph is, you know. Not Jesus' dad. But another guy, he had this really cool coat, Technicolor dream coat. And uh, it was really pretty. And his father loved Joseph. Loved him. But his other ten brothers didn't like him so much. A.K.A. they wanted him dead. So, they were like, okay, we gotta, we can't kill him because that's a little mean. But we're just going to throw him in this giant hole out at the end of this field and just leave him there. You know, same thing as killing him, but they didn't think so. So they threw him in this big hole called a cistern, which is a huge water hole, but this one was dried up. And they left him there. And they go back. And then they see this caravan going by, going to Egypt. And they were like, you know what's even better? So we're actually not killing him. We're going to sell him. So they get the caravan, and they go get Joseph out of that hole. And they're like, hey, you want our brother? Because we don't. So they, they're like, here you go. And the caravan pays them 25 shekels for him, which nowadays is about $220. Now, I wouldn't even sell my little annoying chihuahua for that much money. So that is saying something. They sold their own brother. 
I get angry at my brother, but I'm not going to go sell him. Like, no. So Joseph goes to Egypt, and he's a slave there. And he is actually loved by the people he's with. And Joseph, I left this, this fact out, he can interpret dreams, which is kind of cool. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh of Egypt, gets word of this because he's been having weird dreams. So he gets Joseph, and he's like, hey, I need you to tell me what this dream means. And so Pharaoh tells him the, the story of the dreams, and Joseph's like, okay, there's going to be seven years of plenty, like lots of food, and then after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. There's, there's no food. And in case y'all didn't know what that was. Um, and Pharaoh's like, okay, I need someone who knows what's going to happen, who can lead, and is, I can get him on short notice. Oh, Joseph, duh. Okay, dude, you're going to lead Egypt during this time of plenty. So Joseph, after being a slave, becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man. Like, crazy. And so during the seven years of plenty, they gather up all this food in Egypt. And they, then during the seven years of famine, Egypt is the place to be. They got food. They got, if they had candy back then, they got candy. I don't know if they did. But they got everything. And everyone from the land surrounding is flocking to Egypt, looking for food. And these, these people included Joseph's brothers. And they came and asked for food and um, didn't even recognize their own brother. But uh, Joseph gave them the food that they wanted and uh, didn't let them go on their way. He said, I'm going to need you to keep your brother Simeon, and you got to bring your other brother, the youngest brother, Benjamin, back so you can get Simeon. And so they left Simeon, and they go back to the dad, and he's like, hey, we got to take Benjamin back because some dude wants him for some reason. And the dad was like, no, no, you can't. You can't take him. I've already lost one son, and now maybe another one. I can't lose another one. But without his will of letting them go, Benjamin goes. And they go back, and Joseph is so happy to see all of them and lets them dine there. That's what it says in the Bible, dine there. And um, stay there overnight. The next morning, they all get up to leave, and Benjamin's caught stealing a silver cup and is arrested and put in jail. And Judah... One of the other brothers comes up and is like, Joseph, you, or not Joseph, because he didn't know that was Joseph yet. Um, Right-hand man to Pharaoh. <laughs> person, I don't know. You can't take my brother. My dad is broken over losing our other brother. He's broken. He's dying because of it. Joseph turns to him and is like, dude, I'm your brother. What's up? like out of nowhere and they all freak out and have a party and the dad comes and sees them and starts crying and it's awesome and 
Then a little later, their dad is finally comfortable and at rest knowing his son is alive. And he passes away. And the brothers start freaking out because they're like, oh no, dad's dead. Joseph's going to get revenge. We're all toast. It's like when your parents leave for the weekend and you're in a fight with your brother. He's like, got you now. Don't close your eyes when you sleep. So, um, but Joseph is the complete opposite. He says in Genesis 50, 19 through 20, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He went through being put into a giant hole, which would be freaky in and of itself, sold into slavery for not much money. Well, it'd be bad for any amount of money. Then, like, but then God was like, here you go. You can be awesome and right-hand man to Pharaoh. Like, God put him through all of that so he could build him up. And Joseph amazingly knows that fact. When he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God knew what was going to happen to Joseph. He, he knew that he was going to be put into a hole, sold in slavery, and right-hand man to Pharaoh. Like, he knew all that. And it's just like, that's what's in our lives. God knows, like, this junk that you have over here, God knows what it's going to be used for in his kingdom over here. He knows. Like, I don't get how that's possible, but he knows. And, like, this junk, I keep calling it that because it is, um, if we're facing Christ this way, can't see that. Because if Christ is our future, that doesn't matter. That's, that's behind us. It is still there. Like, I'm not, I'm not denying. Like, if I had a rearview mirror, I could see it. But it's not supposed to run our lives. Christ is there for that. And I have a few verses um, that I can just go to and read and be like, there's hope for the future. There's a reason that everything has happened. The first one's Philippians 3:13 through 14. Okay. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. Not letting it run our lives. And straining toward what is ahead. All y'all runners, not runners I mean, all the ones who don't run. Yeah, straining. You know when you're like pushing through that next like, after that first like 10 feet, you got to go another 10 feet. Straining, that pain. Or if you're a runner, like that six mile, 20th mile, okay. Um. You're just pushing through it, pushing through that pain, pushing through when you're tired, 
just pushing to Christ and that, towards that goal of heaven that we have. Next verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. That one's really in your face. Um, if you don't get that, you can talk to me afterwards, um, and I'll explain it. Um, but just, old is gone, new is here. Next one is 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for... Wait, no, whoa, wrong one. No, no that's the right one, okay. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Guys, Christ is the one that makes us strong to get through this. I could never have gotten through this without Christ. And I know there's some of y'all out there that are like, what is this, what is the solution to this acceptance that I need? What is the solution to my parents fighting all the time? What is the solution to my drinking problem? What is the solution to anything in your life? Any worry, anything that consumes you, it's God, it's Christ. If you're weak, then he's strong. God, in the Bible, in multiple places, practically says, you have to be emptied to be filled. That sounds horrible. Emptied? Like, I don't want... I'm fine the way I am. No, I don't want to, I don't want to hit rock bottom. I don't, no. But when you do, and you see, like, Christ right there, like, there to, not literally, you know, but, like, there to pick you up and just hold you in his arms and just say, I love you, then you know it's for a reason. So, Your past is there, but it doesn't matter if Christ is your future. So keep looking towards that future and keep looking for that hope. My uh, word for this was hope. So I just want to leave y'all with that one word. I'm going to pray. Hey, God, um, I just thank you so much for bringing these people here, Lord. Um, to Gold Rush. This is such an awesome experience, Lord. Um, I just pray that they'll be able to forget about all the baggage that they're carrying and look to you, God. Just let them know that you're going to use that in some amazing way, Lord. That you're in control and that you're all that matters. And I just pray for the rest of this week for everyone and today as people go on missions and night sessions, session, um, that they'll just surrender to you, Lord, that they will do everything for you, Lord. Um, 
and we love you, and it's your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Gold Rush 2011 podcast. Perimeter Church is located at 9500 Medlock Ridge Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. If you'd like more information about the church, please visit our website at watershedministry.org.